get all kinds of invitations. Um, I get invitations in the mail. Man, it seems like every other day, some, some credit card or something to sign up for, right? Uh, ever since I turned 50, uh, at, least, uh, at least every couple weeks, I get a new invitation from the AARP to join the, uh, join the, 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 the crowd, I guess. Um, uh, those kinds of invitations, I just, I just pitch in the trash. I don't really take them up on it, right? But, but uh, there are more special invitations that we get, right? Uh, uh, real invitations, like an invitation to a birthday party or maybe to a wedding, or, or maybe it's as simple as a neighborhood barbecue. Uh, it, it could be a, a professionally embossed card sent in the mail, or maybe it's a mass-produced flyer that your, your kid brings home from school, or, or maybe it's just a conversation over the back fence, but um, invitations are, are, are actually pretty great. It means that someone has thought to include you in their plans. And, and God has given each of us an invitation to talk with him. He wants us to pray because he's always hearing, he's, he's always listening. It's, it's throughout scripture, uh, just, a, just a few uh, examples. First Chronicles 16, 8 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Psalm 18, 6 says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. The God of the universe has invited you to talk with him and he promises if we call on him, he will hear our prayer. God is always hearing. That's, that's an important thing to grasp. That's an important thing to be convinced of, right? Because, because if you don't think that God is always hearing, you probably won't bother to pray. I mean, you might on occasion, like, like when things get bad, you might lob up a crisis prayer and, and hope that he gives you what you want. But, but, but regular prayer can be difficult, uh, especially if we're not convinced that he's really listening anyway, right? I mean, it's... Prayer is, is kind of a hard concept anyhow. It's, it's hard to talk to someone that you can't see. I wonder, uh, and, and, and sometimes we wonder how, how, how long we should pray or what we should pray about. And, and if God knows ev- everything anyway, does it really matter whether I pray about it or not? And, and, and our minds tend to wander. Maybe I can just, uh, I don't know if I can say this in church or not, but sometimes, I don't know if I should... Prayer is boring. Can we just say that? Sometimes we get bored when we pray, right? Uh, It just seems like it would be so much easier to get up and do something about what we're praying about. We we could just get it done and, and do it instead of 
praying. There's a whole host of things that, that, that we might say, oh man, prayer is just kind of, I don't know, it's clunky and difficult and sometimes I get bored and I just don't. And is it, Now combine all that difficulty with the fact that, that our enemy, the devil, will do anything in his power to keep us from praying and then prayer gets really hard, right? There, there, there are forces at work both within us and around us that are fighting against us connecting with God in prayer. As wonderful as the invitation is to, to call upon the name of the Lord, sometimes we treat that invitation like I treat the invitation from the AARP. And we just, ah, ah yeah, and we just pitch it, right? We ignore it. God is always hearing. He wants you to connect with him in prayer. So much has been written and taught about prayer in in the Christian church for literally thousands of years. Uh, I I want you to know that this is not a sermon that is going to give you the how-tos of prayer or or five easy steps to connect with God or even the the theological constructs of of prayer and and, uh, the importance of uh, all of that. Uh, All those things are important. That's that's, uh, other conversations for other days. Today, I simply want to help you to be convinced that God is always hearing, that, that he wants to hear from you. And because I'm convinced that if you believe that, you just might take the time to talk to him. And you might do it more than once or twice, but you'll do it regularly because God is always hearing. So today we're, we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, with, uh, with an Old Testament king named Hezekiah. Uh, it's one of those old, uh, great, great old king names. Um, two different times Hezekiah prayed. We're going to look at uh, the uh, situation around what his, what his uh, prayer life kind of looked like. It's in the book of 2 Kings. Uh, we'll be, be in 2 Kings 19 in just a second. Many of the kings that you read about in the Old Testament were, uh, were sinful and wicked, but not Hezekiah. He was one of the good guys. I mean, he had integrity, and he had faith, and, and he trusted God, and, and he followed. He wasn't completely perfect, but most of the time, he did his best to follow God. And the, the, the first prayer that Heze, uh, of Hezekiah that I want us to read has to do with a national crisis, something that, that, that came up. Hezekiah received word. He got a letter from a messenger and received word that, that uh, the king of Assyria was uh, Sennacherib. Uh, was on his way to attack Jerusalem. And so this is how Hezekiah responded. 2 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. Then Isaiah, son of Amoz, sent a message to King Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I have heard. I have heard your prayer 
concerning Sennacherib, king of Syria. If we had time, we'd read through how God intervened in miraculous ways and, and took care of that, uh, that whole army. Uh, it was a pretty uh, amazing prayer. Hezekiah prayed, God heard, and he responded. Pause right there because we're going to look at the second prayer as well. Uh, and then the next chapter, uh, Hezekiah, uh, in the prime of his life, uh, has, has a health scare. And uh, he prayed then too. Hezekiah chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, he says this. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, Put your house in order because you're going to die and you will not recover. Let me just say, I don't want a prophet coming to me and telling me. I mean, this, this, would, be, this would be a bad day, right? Uh, this would not be a good. So what did Hezekiah do? Well, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer. Why? Well, God is always hearing. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that before or not, but uh, you might hear it a couple more times today. Uh, Go back and tell Hezekiah, uh, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Okay, in both of these texts, in both of these prayers, uh, Hezekiah uh, goes before the Lord. In both of these, God hears his prayer and he responds. God is always hearing. The danger here uh, in, in reading a couple prayers like this uh, and seeing the great outcomes uh, is then to assume that if we do it the right way, then prayer will always produce what we want. That is not the message that, uh, that, that we need to get out of. That's not how prayer works. But, but that's how we refer to prayer a lot of times, right? Uh, a prayer worked if I got what I wanted, right? That's, that's what we say. Well, prayer works. Well, how do you know? Well, I asked for this and I got it. So it worked, really a a skewed, uh, twisted view of of prayer. I mean, we wish it worked that way, and and a lot of times it it does work that way, but a lot of times it doesn't work that way. The, The principle here is that God always hears us. It's not that God always gives us whatever we want. I mean, we think about that with parents and children. Uh, a loving parent will, will intentionally not give a child everything they ask for, right? Pretty much chaos, if that's how, uh, how parenting works uh, in your house. The, the child does not know how five cookies in one shot is going to negatively affect their system. So we say no. Uh, the child does not know why vegetables are healthy. And so when they say, I don't want to eat my, you, gotta, you make them eat their vegetables. Uh, they don't know how much sleep they need. And, that, uh, and so we say, no, you can't stay up uh, as late as you want. Uh, they, they don't know that hot things can burn and sharp things can cut and hard things can hurt. So when your four-year-old asks to play with the steak knife, hopefully you say no, Right? Hopefully, hopefully. My mom didn't. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Um, 
When, when they have a bedtime and they complain and don't want to go to you, you make them go to bed. No, you can't stay. And no, you can't put your hand on top of the stove when the burner is on. No matter what the kid, kid might beg for, uh, the issue isn't that you didn't hear them, right? You heard them loud and clear. You, you understand where they're coming from, but you can't give them what they want for their own good. God always hears he enjoys our relationship with him uh, but it's not just this transactional thing uh, I hope that um, that your prayer life becomes more than just asking God for stuff and hoping he gives it to you I think that's true of a lot of prayer lives uh, my uh, our prayers consist of God I'm in in trouble please please do this, God, I need this, provide this, do that. Uh, uh, that's just a transaction. That's, that's, you know, that's the relationship that I have with the uh, kiosk at Walmart, right? Uh, it's a transaction. Give me what I want. I've given you, you give me, and that's it. God wants so much more in our relationship with him. It's a, it's a conversation, and conversation draws us together. There's learning and growth. Uh, prayer is just the means by which we connect with God. Prayer isn't, we don't say that prayer works when we get what we want. Prayer works when we connect with God. It's not about getting from, it's about connecting with. For Hezekiah, we see that, that, that a healthy prayer life is, is actually rooted in, uh, rooted in good posture. Hang with me. I, let me tell you a story here. First, I, I heard about a group of pastors who who uh, who met, uh, and and they were they were talking about a lot of things, but they got into the subject of uh, of prayer and and actually the the appropriate postures that people should take when they pray. One pastor felt like like uh, the key was in the hands, and he said, "Well, well, uh, you got to hold your hands together and you point them upward, and and, and you're really just getting into it, and that is a symbolic form of worship, and and that's how prayer is." Most most effective when we have our uh, have use of our hands like that. Another pastor said, "Ah, yeah, that's fine, but but real prayer only happens when you're on your knees and your head is bowed and you're you're praying that way." And still, another pastor took issue with both of those guys and said, "Well, that's fine, but but real prayer that God really intervenes is when you're down on your face on the ground, your arms outstretched, your face on the ground. That's when God really." And and they went around this discussion there in the in the the, the foyer of the church there, all meeting together in the area, and and the. Uh, uh, it just so happened that there was a, a telephone a repairman that was there at the church that day doing some work, and, and he had overheard this conversation, and uh, he couldn't keep quiet anymore, and he spoke up, and he said, sorry to interrupt, uh, I know y'all are pastors, and you've gone to, gone to pastor school and all that stuff, but, but I just have to, and just take this for what it is, I just have to say that, that you're talking about how to pray in the pasture and the, the most powerful prayer, he said, the most powerful prayer I ever prayed was when I was dangling upside down from my he- by my heels from a power pole suspended, suspended 40 feet in the air. That was the posture that really worked for me. So, no, I'm not necessarily talking about the physical posture of our prayers. I mean, I guess it could be significant. We could, we could talk about that. There, there are, uh, from what I've read, there are, there are five different postures that people take throughout Scripture when they're praying. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're sitting, they're kneeling, they're standing, they're lying face down, they're praying with their hands lifted up. Uh, there, there may be others. That's just what I, I haven't done an exhaustive search. Uh, some would say that our posture when we pray is a lot like our tone when we speak. 
If the words are what we say, then the posture is how we say it. There's probably some, some significance in, in all that, but that's not where I'm going with it. What I'm, what I'm talking about is a posture of our hearts. He, Hezekiah, Hezekiah prayed with a posture of humility and submission. It was the foundation of his, his prayer, and he came to God in humility and submission. He, he was confronted with, with being assaulted and, and overthrown by an enemy, and he was confronted with his own mortality, and both times he approached God with humility. He took that letter and he spread it out before God. He turned to, to the wall and prayed and cried. Both times, Hezekiah's posture was one of humility and brokenness, submission and surrender. Hezekiah was the king. He's, he's in charge of it all, right? But, but when he comes to God, uh, he, he acknowledges that God is the king of all kings. Yeah, I'm a king lower lowercase k you are the king he acknowledged who god was he he knew his place uh if if prayer is going to work for us if prayer is going to connect us with god it starts with acknowledging one simple basic fact you are not god he is we have to have a posture of humility and 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 one thing that, that hezekiah didn't do he didn't tell god what to do right he he asked And then he waited and submitted to whatever God's answer was going to be. He trusted and he believed that God would do what was right and what was best. And sure, God wiped out the enemy and God gave Hezekiah 15 more years to live. But I'm guessing, you know, Hezekiah didn't say, God, give me 15 years. He was like, wow, you know, I'd like to live a long, full life. He was, do the math and look at the whole story. Hezekiah was 39 years old when Isaiah came to him and said, you're going to die. And uh, he prayed and he got 15 more years. So that means that he was uh, counting down the days to his 54th birthday, right? I'm 52 almost. I'm hoping that I get more than a couple more years. I think Hezekiah probably wanted more. It would have taken more than 15 years. God said, well, you can have 15. Uh, he would have, if he was writing this story, he probably would have taken a lot more. Than, we, but he wasn't dictating to God. He wasn't telling him. He was submitting to God's will. And, and even as he was uh, asking God to intervene, he, he was submitting to however God was going to do that. Humility and submission has to be the foundation of our prayers. It's the... It's the prayer that never fails. Uh, Thy will be done, right? Uh, That's what Jesus prayed in the garden before he was arrested. He didn't want to go to the cross, but most of all, he wanted what God wanted. And so he said, God, I want this, but, uh, but most of all, even more than I want this, I want your will. And it never fails to pray that way because God's will is what's best. Knowing that God will work out his plans in his timing. I mean, you might think that you're ready to handle the steak knife. (laughs) And God says, no, you're not. This is what's best right now. And so we've got to trust that God is listening and he wants what is best. For us. That, that leads to another component, I think, of a, of a healthy prayer life, a healthy posture. The posture of humility and submission, I think, naturally flows into that posture of faith. Trusting, believing that God is listening and he wants what is best. I talk about faith uh, in prayer. Uh, most of the time, we, we think that exhibiting faith in prayer means that we're believing with all of our hearts that we will get what we asked for. I have faith. That it's going to happen. Can I, can I turn that a little bit for us today? That's kind of the name it and claim it kind of, kind of way to do it, right? Um, I prayed for it and I believe it, so it's going to happen. Well, you're doing that, then that, 
goes against that whole issue of uh, posture of humility and submission because that makes you God and you're telling him what he has to do because you did all this so he has to come through and do that. It's not an issue of submission there. A lot of times, a lot of uh, twisted theology happens when, when we pray for something and it doesn't happen and someone might say, well, you just didn't have enough faith, right? Oh, a lot, of, uh, a lot of grief has come because of those words. I believe that exhibiting faith in prayer isn't believing, uh, believing with all of your heart that you're going to get what you want, but believing with all of your heart that God is listening <laughs> and that he cares and that he knows what's best and we can be connected to him even as we walk through the hard thing that we didn't want to happen. Faith is a foundation of our posture prayer so what is what is your prayer posture I'm not asking about whether you're on your knees or your eyes are closed Uh, uh, are you coming to God only when you want something are you demanding the answers that you want and mad when it doesn't turn out like you planned or are you coming to God in a posture of humility and surrender believing with all of your heart that he hears you and that he wants what is best for you I believe with all of my heart that that praying that way will result in connecting with God. You won't feel like you're disconnected. I, I guess I think of prayer a lot of times as, you know, on your phone, uh, you, the, 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 the hotline to heaven, so to speak, or whatever. Uh, and then I think about, well, there's a whole lot of times when we're on our phones and we get disconnected, right? Or uh, I guess these days we call it a dropped call, Right? There are few things more frustrating than, uh, than, than being on a call with someone and one of you hits a dead zone somewhere and the call drops and then you spend the next 10 minutes trying to figure out how you can get reconnected again. First you wait to see if they'll call back and then they don't, right? So then you dial them and uh, I say dial. Why do we say dial anymore, right? We're pushing buttons, we're not... Anyway, I have, a, I have a rotary phone sitting on my desk. It's not hooked up or anything, but it's just there for nostalgia I guess but uh, uh, anyway the uh, uh, you, 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 you call them dial them back but then they don't pick up because they're still yapping because they didn't even realize because they're so so enthralled with what they're saying that they didn't even realize it dropped right and they think they're still talking to you and so you call them and then they realize that and so then they call you about the same time you're calling and, and back and forth and finally and then somebody goes through a dead zone again and it, I mean it take, it's just like oh fine it doesn't, don't even worry about it uh, dropped calls are, are uh, frustrating I, I think I think if we if we look at prayer and and we look at dropped calls so to speak in our in our prayer life there are a few things that we can we can guard against even as we're coming to God with with a posture of of humility and submission there are there are a few things that I think scripture lays out that says that that, that help us to not have a a disconnect in that relationship with God in that in that in our prayer life Humility and surrender are key. Without those, uh, we won't ever truly connect. A, a lack of faith is, is another one. We talked a, a little bit about faith a second ago, but I think if, if we're looking at uh, uh, something that's going to keep us from, from connecting with God, a lack of belief that he's really listening. James 1, 6 and 7, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
When we pray, we must pray in belief, knowing, not belief that God is going to do what I think he should do, but belief that God is going to do what is best, knowing that he hears our prayers. Another reason prayer might not be effective is when we pray with selfish motives. Uh, we can pray for good things, but, but for the wrong reasons. Again, James uh, in chapter 4 says this, when you ask, you don't receive, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God doesn't respond to selfish prayers. I, I need this, give me this, and my motive is that I want what I want when I want it, right? God doesn't respond to selfish prayers. Another thing, God doesn't respond when we're sinning. Uh, he doesn't honor disobedience. Isaiah 59 uh, says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin keeps God from hearing. Uh, Psalm 66, 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Many people, I believe, think that they can live however they'd like, and then when they get into a jam, that God is still obligated to bail them out. Uh, I, I read a pastor once who, who said that, that, that people think they can, quote, just genie him up and, and get what they need, like that genie in a bottle. But that's not real prayer. You won't connect with God while you're living a sinful life. Hezekiah lived his whole life following God, so his prayers were just a natural outgrowth of that relationship that he had with God. One more issue that I think can result in a dropped call, so to speak, a disconnect in our prayer life, and, and that is broken relationships. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Mark eleven twenty five. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. If you are the cause of a broken relationship, if you are harboring resentment or holding a grudge, it's going to impact your life, your prayer life with God. Oh, that's just my relationships with you. That doesn't affect. No, our relationships with each other affect our relationship with God. Lack of faith, uh, selfishness, sin, broken relationships. Those might be good places to start, practical places to start if, in evaluating. If you feel like your prayers are just not really, and just bouncing around the room and, and not really getting it, you're not really connecting with God, those might be uh, good four places to, to start. You, I, I believe you can guard against all of those if you come back to the, uh, the, the, the posture of humility and submission humility and surrender if if you're not connecting with God maybe this is the bottom line if you're not connecting with God it's not that he's not listening it's not that he can't hear you God is always hearing connecting with him starts with a posture of humility and surrender in our um, discipleship group last week uh, we we came across a, a a little section, a little write-up uh, about prayer uh, that, uh, that I thought was especially meaningful. And we read it in, in, uh, in our group last week. If you're in that group, you're going to hear it again today because I felt it was, was uh, timely for this uh, conversation as well. 
I think all the blanks are filled in. Maybe this is a great time. Maybe you could even, uh, you know, close your eyes. You could turn off your, uh, your phone. I know it's the Bible. I'm sure it's not Candy Crush or Facebook, but you could uh, turn off your, uh, your device that you've been reading along with and just listen to these words from, uh, from Pastor Harney in his book, uh, uh, Organic Disciples. And he just asked the question, what if? He says, what if God actually hears our prayers? What a staggering idea that the king of all kings, the Lord of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the almighty God is aware of every whisper of our souls and cry of our hearts. What if among the voices of the 8 billion people who are living on the planet, God recognizes yours? He says, now take that up a notch. What if God not only hears your voice when you call out to him, but he cares? <laughs> what a thought. The one who made and sustains the heavens and all the stars cares about your needs and struggles and dreams. What if God's heart breaks over your loneliness and delights when you tell him about your joy? What if God is truly powerful enough to move mountains and change things? He says, now we're getting somewhere. Could it be that the God who made you actually has power to heal your brokenness, to fill your emptiness, to strengthen you in weakness, and to provide all that you need? What if God answers our prayers and acts on our requests This is a mind-bending idea, he says. A God who hears us, cares about us, has power to act, and then actually shows up, works in power, and answers our prayers. What if when we pray for things that honor him and are in line with his loving will, we can see world-changing prayers answered over and over and over again? And then he asked this last question. What if we prayed more and with greater confidence that God hears and is ready to answer. God is always hearing. 